If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 457th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we have another location that like the Conjuring House, I've kind of put it off and put it off and put it off because <laughs> we've had lots of requests for this one, but I've always kind of poo-pooed it like, yeah, that's so over the top, so overblown, it can't be real. But after watching The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, we both looked at each other and said, you know, it's probably time we do a Skinwalker Ranch episode. Yep, we agreed on that one. So that's what we're doing on this episode. We'll talk about the history Talk about a lot of the things that have happened on that ranch over the, I guess, decades, you could say, maybe even centuries for all we know, and see what our conclusions are and leave it up to you guys. UFOs have never really been my thing, except for when I was a kid, I was kind of into them, but I've mostly just been a ghosty kind of person. Yeah, same. But UFOs are fascinating and there's all kinds of possibilities where these things could be coming from or their purpose or what have you. One thing I have to say is I like the ghosts more because it's easier to have an interaction with them than UFOs. You'll probably go your whole life without seeing a UFO. (laughs) Well, this is true. And especially now. And I think that's why they started changing it into UAP, uh, Unknown Aerial Phenomenon, because we see so much stuff in the air now with satellites and drones and planes and helicopters and who knows what, that it's hard to even decipher Is that thing a UFO or is it just something that we don't know about yet that the military is working on? Exactly. Before we get into talking about that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Michelle with two L's, Joshua, Rhonda, Kelly with a Y, just like you, Kelly, great name, Heather, Mary, and Sam. Thank you for joining us in our Facebook group. And now this moment, Noddity. We oftentimes call ourselves weird kids, and as such can commonly be found reading up on topics like the paranormal, cryptids, and aliens. Most would probably imagine that the topic of alien life forms is a relatively new concept for the most part. But would it surprise you to hear that there was a gentleman who, in the 1600s, thought he would make it to the moon to trade with aliens? John Wilkins was a scholar and a founding member of the Royal Society, which is the world's oldest national scientific society. 
It was his belief that the moon and the rest of the planets were all inhabited by alien races. He was determined to build a flying machine to access these alien societies so he could establish trade with them. His goal was to increase the prosperity of Britain through this. One version of Wilkins' mode of transport consisted of a type of flying vehicle which, once up in the atmosphere, would be assisted by angels who would pilot the flying machine, either good or bad angels. Apparently, he was not particular about which. Although he had lofty goals, suffice it to say, John Wilkins never found any success with this endeavor. At hundreds of years away from the creation of any type of flying machine, let alone an actual car, the thought of being able to coerce an angel into whisking people to different planets certainly is odd. Why, hello, my little green friend. Take me to your leader. Is that my boss? We are here to destroy you. Hum, he was squishy like a bug. <laughs> and now, this month in history. month of October on the 21st in 1915, the first transatlantic radio voice message was made by the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, also known as AT&T, from Virginia to Paris. The word spoken was a simple, hello. This came from B.B. Webb, who was in Virginia, and the message was picked up by an antenna atop the Eiffel Tower. This speech transmission was able to be attempted due to Alexandre Gustav Eiffel, because he wanted to keep the tower that bore his name useful. In 1898, Eiffel had attached an antenna to the tower so that people could conduct experiments in wireless telegraphy. The city had plans to disassemble the tower and turn it into scrap metal, but due to Mr. Eiffel's forethought, Paris continued the funding to keep the tower intact. In 1913, Paris and Arlington, Virginia had begun exchanging wireless signals. Yet it wasn't until 11 years after the 1915 transmission that a two-way transatlantic call would occur. Communication has definitely come a long way in the past 107 years. I wonder if Mr. Eiffel could have ever imagined what we'd have available in our back pocket with the ingenuity of cell phones. I know I cannot imagine Paris without the Eiffel Tower. Skinwalker Ranch is located in the Uinta Basin, an area infused with stories of Spanish mines, legends of buried treasures, remnants of ancient civilizations, UFO activity, and tales of strange phenomena like cattle mutilations, cryptids, and poltergeists. The ranch covers over 500 acres and has been a source of fascination to the public since the 1990s when stories of strange happenings started being shared. Is there something special about this area, and Skinwalker Ranch in particular? Join us as we explore the history and weirdness of Skinwalker Ranch. The Uinta Basin is fed by the rivers that flow from the Uinta Mountains. 
These mountains are on the northern border of the basin, and the highest point in Utah is here, Kings Peak. The unique feature of this range is that it runs from east to west. Not many mountain ranges do that. Mostly it's north to south. There are a few. This is one of them. An indigenous tribe that the basin was named for, the Uinta, traded with the French beaver trappers that came in the early 1800s. All of those who came early on came for the rich resources. There's lots of minerals and metals in this area. Later, the Ute tribe would be here, and a presidential decree established the Northern Ute Indian Reservation in the area, and it actually happens to be right next to Skinwalker Ranch. In 1905, the reservation was opened up for homesteading to everyone. Gotta love that when you say, this set of land over here is just for you, and now we're going to open up and anybody can live there. People not only came to homestead, but legends of the old Spanish gold mine called to them. There are many variations of stories of outlaws burying their gold at the bottom of a canyon or smugglers hiding their goods within the rocky outcrops, and people have all come to see if they can find it, dig for it. These are the tame legends and myths. Others have a sinister and frightening mystique to them. Rock art that has been left in the form of pictographs and petroglyphs features symbols, birds, and anthropomorphic figures. Native Americans, archaeologists, and historians have all been unable to decipher what some of this art is depicting. Some of the symbols and figures are most certainly spiritual. Could some of this art feature things that were seen by previous civilizations? Skinwalker Ranch is named for a specific entity that legend claims hangs out in this region. This is not just an anthropomorphic animal, but rather a human that can shapeshift into an animal like a wolf, coyote, or bear. Indigenous tribes all have legends of witches or medicine people or shaman that can shapeshift into animal creatures. In all variations, these creatures are bad with many considered evil or demonic. Some of these entities develop from a tribe member who did something taboo or used their magical powers for malevolent reasons. Skinwalkers are known as Onjini as a classification, and each tribe has their own variety. Skinwalkers figure heavily in the legend and lore of the Navajo, and in their language, they're known as Yi Naudalushi. And I hope I said that correctly. We could not find a pronunciation. Yeah, I'm sure we butchered it. Which literally means, by means of it, it goes on all fours. Many Navajo won't even say the term skinwalker out of fear. It's believed that just saying the word will call on one of these creatures to show up. What differentiates a normal wolf from a skinwalker is a skinwalker's ability to walk upright and the sheer size of the creatures. These creatures are said to have glowing blue eyes, too. Their abilities include being able to run faster than cars, jump over cliffs, and possibly control human minds. Skinwalkers can only be killed by a bullet or knife that has been dipped in white ash. So now we have this Skinwalker Ranch that has been nicknamed Skinwalker Ranch. And now it actually, that's what it's known as. And I think it's even been trademarked so nobody else can grab it. Obviously, it got its name because of claims that Skinwalkers roamed the ranch. There are a number of theories as to why there are Skinwalkers on this property. The one connected to the indigenous people claims that there was a hostility between the Navajo and Ute tribes that went back many years. The two tribes fought often and the Ute took many Navajo as slaves. Eventually, the two tribes disputed territory. When the Navajo were forced to leave, they laid a curse on the land. This land is where the ranch is located. This is a legend with no historical proof and doesn't entirely explain why skinwalkers would be attracted to the ranch. Could there be some other source for weird creatures being on the land? There's been enough UFO activity here to lead some to claim that the creatures could be extraterrestrial. 
there are rumors of portals on the land. And there's even one triangular area of the land that really seems to have some kind of anomaly above it. But theories really are meaningless if there aren't skinwalkers on the ranch. What makes people think that these entities are there? The Native Americans in the area believe that Dark Canyon, which is next to Skinwalker Ranch, is where the skinwalkers live. So now for years we have the indigenous people believing that skinwalkers are living in this Dark Canyon. This all started with the Sherman family, Terry and Gwen, and their teenage son and 10-year-old daughter. The Shermans bought the ranch from Kenneth and Edith Myers in 1994. The Myers had owned the property since 1934. Interestingly, the Myers never reported any strange incidents on the ranch. At least not publicly. We'll talk a little bit about that later. The infamous article, Frequent Flyers, written by Zach Van Eck, appeared in the Desert News in June of 1996 and shared the experiences of the Shermans, which launched the whole legend of Skinwalker Ranch. Terry said, For a long time we wondered what we were seeing, if it was something to do with a top-secret project. I don't really know what to think about it. We've seen the UFOs enough, and we know pretty much what the craft look like, and I think it's definitely associated with the cattle mutilations. When we see the crafts and then the cattle, we have problems. You talk to a lot of people around here that at one time or another have seen something they can't explain. There's been a lot of cattle mutilations, and a lot of them weren't reported. Several ranchers told me that when they had a mutilation, they called the authorities, and the authorities couldn't do anything. So it was just a waste of time and effort. The UFO activity and cattle mutilations are the main claims by the Sherman family. They saw three varieties of UFOs that included a small box-like craft with a white light, a 40-foot-long object, and a huge ship the size of several football fields. Whenever I hear them described that way, it's like, how do you even fly something that massive? I know that supposedly they have some kind of anti-gravity type of power or something, but wow. Seven of the Sherman's cattle either went missing or were found dead and mutilated. One had a hole cut into the center of its left eyeball, and another had its rectum carved out. I was always fascinated with these cattle mutilation stories, or like the horse Skippy that had been mutilated. I had one of those books by um, Time Life that was Mysteries of the Universe, and it had a whole chapter on these animal mutilations. And they're just fascinating because these things are bled out and there's no blood around them. It's almost like they're picked up, taken somewhere, carved up, and then just dumped. Right, like a scientific experiment, but it wasn't done in place. Yeah, and the thing that's always fascinating to me too is they'll only have a few of their organs missing. A lot of them are the sex organs. And then you hear all these stories of people who have been taken aboard craft and experimented with. And we like to joke about anal probes, but a lot of the time it's messing with your sex organs. And it just makes me wonder, is this some kind of, if all of this is true and real, is this some kind of breeding program that's going on? That's what I always imagine. And you guys all know, I do mention the Nephilim. We talked about them on the last episode when it came to demons. This is a mixing of things. Is this a different genetic route that they're taking where now they can't do the physical thing, so now they're trying the artificial insemination kind of thing? Could be. And maybe cows and other animals are just their way of experimenting ahead of using humans, or maybe they're mixing, who knows? I don't know what these people are doing or these things or these entities, whatever, if they're real. What are you doing out there? The ranch also experienced something similar to crop circles. The Desert News article says... They once discovered three circles of flattened grass, each about eight feet across, in a triangular pattern about 30 feet from each other, almost as if you had a triangular craft land on the ground. In a nearby pasture, other strange soil impressions have been found. 
circles about three feet wide and a foot or two deep with the dirt in the center perfectly flattened. There were many other varieties of paranormal activity on the ranch as well. This included Terry hearing male voices in the air above his head that his dogs reacted to with barking and growling. The family saw strange lights in the sky like blue spheres and large orange circles. These lights would zip around the sky. Weird roars were heard in the woods. And then there were the skinwalkers. Terry and Gwen Sherman saw a terrifying creature that resembled a wolf or coyote, but wasn't entirely either of those. The creature was stalking their livestock pen and grabbed one of the calves in its jaws. So that indicates the size of the creature. It smelled like rotting flesh. Which I also find interesting. How do they describe the smell of Bigfoot? Exactly. Interdimensional, perhaps? Yeah, that's why it makes me think these things are all from the similar source. And it's not good if it smells like rotting flesh. It's something decaying or smells like decay or is always eating something that's decaying. First, they tried hitting the creature with a baseball bat, and it was unfazed. Terry had guns with him, and he told his son to run and grab the handgun. Several shots from the handgun did nothing. Terry had his son fetch a rifle. The blast threw the animal back, but it still seemed to leave it uninjured. The creature did run away, and Terry and his son tracked it to a spot where the footprints just stopped, as if it had disappeared. Stepped into a portal, maybe? Perhaps. And you know, when you shoot something with a rifle, you can kind of cause flesh to go out from that wound. And that did happen in this case. And again, this smelled like rotting flesh, this piece of whatever on the ground. I don't know that it was ever tested to see what it was, you know, what variety of animal. But what's interesting about this whole story is generally speaking, even if you shoot and miss at an animal, it's going to take off running. Exactly. This thing is taking bullets and just standing there and continuing to do whatever it's doing. It took finally getting hit with the rifle that it's like, all right, I'm out. So that's what makes me think it's something other than just an animal, because an animal's typical behavior, unless, of course, it was rabid, would be, I'm out of here. Even snakes will run away from you if you get near them, generally speaking. Yeah, but even so, it was so large, it's not a typical wolf or anything like that. I don't know what size this calf was, but to put it in your jaw, that's a huge jaw. You're not just grabbing its leg. Exactly. Even as a newborn, that would be a really large animal to be able to pick it up in its mouth. Gwen had an experience with the same kind of creature later while she was driving in her car. She saw what looked like a very, very large wolf running beside the car. The head of the wolf was the same height as her window. She also saw what looked like a large brown dog in the distance that had a head much larger than the typical dog. Its eyes glowed blue. Probably the worst thing to happen on the ranch was the death of the Sherman's dog. One day, a flying, glowing blue orb appeared, and Terry told his dog to get the orb. Now, why would you do that? Do you not love your dog? (laughs) I have no idea. The dog chased it into some undergrowth and then yelped really loud and didn't come out of the vegetation. Terry ran over to the area, and all he found was scorched earth and strange, greasy blobs, which was probably all that was left of the dog. You gotta wonder, what in the world is that? It's like something zapped the dog and just melted it, basically. I mean, if this is true... What in the world? Yeah. The Shermans had now reached a point where they felt it was unsafe for their family and they decided to sell. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. The History Goes Bump podcast has been in production for eight years now and all eight years have been with Libsyn as our host. If you're looking to get started in podcasting, check out Libsyn.com and use promo code BUMP, that's B-U-M-P, to get up to two months of free podcasting service. Libsyn has always given us great customer service and support. They have real-time podcast analytics so you can see how your show is doing. 
embeddable podcast players, free podcast guides and tutorials, and everything you'll need to get started in podcasting today. Go to libsyn.com and use promo code BUMP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. We should point out here that while many people thought the Sherman's claims were a hoax, the family didn't get rich or famous for their claims, and even when the stories were originally told in a book, they were referred to as the Gorman family to protect their identity. And while the Skinwalker Ranch is notorious for weird activity, the whole region has unexplained stuff going on, with most people having seen at least a UFO or strange lights. Over 400 UFO sightings have been reported going all the way back to the 1950s. Stories of these skinwalker tracks that go for a little while and then abruptly end are very common as well. Yeah, they tell lots of stories of them tracking these creatures, especially when there's like snow on the ground. See the tracks go for a while and then all of a sudden it's like the thing just jumped up in the air and disappeared. Yeah, very unexplained. Yeah. The next owner was billionaire property magnate Robert Bigelow. He bought the ranch for $200,000 in 1996 and he knew exactly what he was getting. Bigelow was very interested in strange phenomenon of all types. He had heard the stories about the ranch. Prior to buying the property in 1995, Bigelow founded the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS, N-I-D-S. The organization's purpose was to research and study paranormal topics like UFOs. It specialized in cattle mutilations and black triangle reports. So Skinwalker Ranch was the perfect site to set up a laboratory. The institute disbanded in 2004, and attributed much of what they saw to military aircraft. Bigelow's been reluctant to talk about the research done on the ranch, but that wasn't the case for the scientists that work there or visitors. The Hunt for the Skinwalker was published in 2006 and written by Dr. Colm Kelleher and George Knapp. Dr. Kelleher was a biochemist who worked for Bigelow and led the research team. He spent months on the ranch and experienced many unexplained things. Anybody who listens to the radio show Coast to Coast is familiar with George Knapp. He fills in quite a bit for host George Norrie. Knapp was an investigative journalist at the time, and he was invited to the ranch. He was the only journalist to be invited to do so. The two men opened the door into the unknown and into Skinwalker Ranch with this book and meticulously shared their findings and experiences. Kelleher claimed in the book that in March of 1997, he saw a large humanoid figure that was perched in a tree. He wrote, the large creature lay motionless, almost casually in the tree. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. 
He felt that the creature was a large bird of prey because after he shot at it with his rifle and it flew off, he found claw marks and imprints on the ground that matched those made by raptors, only much larger. The research team wanted to document everything at all times, so they built observation posts, set up cameras everywhere, and had round-the-clock surveillance. They ran into problems that many paranormal researchers run into, and that is having equipment malfunction so that weird activity doesn't get recorded. Some of the equipment would be severely damaged, too, with wires ripped out. Knapp said of the ranch, The Sherman Ranch presented a unique opportunity to study a rich tapestry of strange stuff. It was as if someone had ordered up the weirdness pizza with everything on it. (laughs) I love that. That's a great quote. (laughs) Sounds delicious, especially for us weirdos. During this time, the ranch manager and his wife had gone out and tagged a calf. And a little while later, their dog started acting very strangely. They went out to the field where the dog was and found the newly tagged calf dead. The body cavity was completely empty. There was no blood. The animal had been thoroughly cleaned out and it was broad daylight. And this is right after they had tagged this calf. So it's not like it had wandered off and gotten eaten by an animal or something and they find it the next day. The researchers got to the point where they thought that whatever they were dealing with was intelligent. And here's what's really creepy. Omniscient. Basically knowing what the researchers were going to do before they did it. Wow. An example would be it knew that they were going to try to record something with a camera and it would destroy the camera before they would even get it out and try to use it for something or some of their other equipment. All of a sudden the wires would be ripped out of, we wanted to use this equipment today and now they're ripped out. So unless they had somebody who was on their team that was destroying stuff, trying to stop this from happening or creating a mystery themselves, very strange. And you don't want to think of an intelligent entity that you don't know what it is that seems malevolent being omniscient. Yeah, most definitely not. Retired Army Intelligence Officer John Alexander believed that a, quote, precognitive sentient intelligence, end quote, was messing with equipment right before they were going to use it. In 2016, Bigelow sold the ranch for a reported $4.5 million to Brandon Fugel, who was the chairman of Colliers International in Utah. Bigelow paid 200000 for it in the 1990s, and he sold it for $4.5 million. Bit of a return on his investment, I'll say. Fugel is a prominent businessman and real estate developer in the Intermountain West. Like Bigelow, he's always been fascinated by weird stuff, especially UFOs. He wanted to do his own research on the ranch, and now we all get to share in that with the History Channel's show, The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, which showcases a team of researchers Fugel has put together and the evidence they've captured. The team consists of caretakers, anthropologist Candace Lindy, and technologist Tom Lewis, manager Jim Morse, chief scientist Eric Bard, superintendent of Skinwalker Ranch Thomas Winterton, chief security officer Brian Arnold, or Dragon, and engineer Dr. Travis Taylor, who has worked with NASA and the Department of Defense. The team has used the most cutting-edge technology available and recruited the help of many experts in various fields to shoot rockets into voids in the sky, to decipher rock art, to chant and pray, to dig, and so much more. The command center is state-of-the-art and monitors everything going on on the ranch. The team has conducted drone aerial surveys, soil surveys, and seismic record reviews to try to find a natural reason for the weird phenomenon. Kelly, one thing I think anybody who's watched this show has very clear in their mind when it comes to this ranch is that you don't dig there. (laughs) Yes. I I mean, over and over, they're like, don't dig. Don't you dare dig. Don't dig. And when they do dig. Weirdness abounds. It's like something (laughs) always happens. 
And yes, we are talking as though it has a personality, you know, saying the ranch doesn't want you to dig on it. But after watching three seasons of this series, it's hard not to believe that the area is a living organism of some sort. High strangeness abounds. Indeed. Superintendent Thomas was digging one time and he nearly died when he had a weird medical emergency happen to his brain in which his scalp separated from his skull. And it's not just him talking about it. They have pictures of him in the hospital. They have pictures of his x-rays. You can still feel that his head has this weird lump on it. It's gotten less. But it took him a long time to recover and they thought he was going to die. And that was before the series ever even started. Anytime Thomas started to have his head feel bad, the group would get him out of the area, even to the point where they would drive him off the ranch. He's not let it scare him away, but it's really weird how he is the only one of the group to experience this. There was a visiting engineer who experienced a severe headache and needed to be taken to a safe area when on the ranch, so it's happened to two people out here. To me, that's what makes it more credible, what happened to Thomas. I mean, obviously, we've seen the medical documentation that shows this. But when you see another person come out there who has no idea what's going on out here, he's just been called out. I think they were one of the people that were shooting rockets into the voids and stuff. I think you're right. And didn't they remove him and put him into like a old metal silo or something that was dark and just to like decompress and got him water and stuff? Yeah, it's like near the command center. They have this. It just looks like a regular grain silo that's pretty low to the ground. My sister had one that was the same size and they cut like a door in the side of it. And they just go into this when they need to get away from whatever is causing them this kind of distress. What is causing that distress? We're going to talk about all the stuff that they've picked up with their equipment. It could be a variety of things. It could be very natural. And it's just certain people get affected by this. Just like some people feel really sick when they're near high EMF and they think they're having a paranormal experience, but it's just EMF and you happen to be sensitive to it. There are three points of interest on the ranch. Homestead 2, the Mesa, and the Triangle. Homestead 2 is an abandoned house that many people believe is haunted. People feel weird out here. A rabbi came out to Homestead 2 and he chanted in Hebrew to open a portal. At the same time, a thermal camera showed a circular vortex that was much colder than everything else in front of the house. They also caught something going through the area that was totally blue, having no heat signature, so it couldn't be an animal. The best way to describe the movement is as though an animal were running through the brush. On another visit, they caught a ball of light with weird trails behind it, and this orb moved erratically. They referenced it as some kind of UAP. High levels of radiation were detected out here as well, especially in a well when they first opened it up. Dr. Travis seemed to develop chemical burns on his face after that, as though he had gotten a major shot of radiation. The team keeps getting a 1.6 gigahertz RF radiation signal, and the last time they got it, they picked up some weird audio signals. Every time they get this signal, weird stuff happens or researchers get headaches. On another occasion, caretaker Tom Lewis and Dragon were out at Homestead 2, and Eric played back an RF signal of 1.6 over a radio for them to listen to and see if it changed the energy at the site. Almost immediately, Tom Lewis fell to the ground and needed to go to the hospital. He was very weak, and the doctors weren't sure what had happened to him that made him collapse and need assistance to walk back to the truck. I can't remember all the findings on that, but I remember his heart, like his heartbeat was really erratic, and they couldn't figure out what was making him do that. And I think now he actually has a permanent heart condition, or he's still, he was still recovering from it or something. It, was, it had a lasting effect, essentially. Yeah, it's almost like when people get that arrhythmia thing, 
that they develop. But what makes this strange is that generally it's something that you develop over time or what have you. And Eric said, I'm going to play this signal over the radio to see what happens. And the minute it started coming over, and it's just this weird noise like, Tom, (laughs) (laughs) almost like your stomach growling over there. Tom fell to the ground. I mean, he just crumpled. Yeah, he did. And Dragon was in a total panic because he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, I, I don't I don't know. And he's like, I can't get up. And he just he did not feel well at all. And I mean, his wife was definitely very worried about him. And these are people who live on the property. So they're always there. There is something about that homestead, too. It's an abandoned house. It's falling apart. The roof is gone. It's got, you know, leaves and everything. It's like one of those abandoned properties you want to go through and take pictures of. Exactly. But something creepy is happening out there and i don't know if it just feels creepy because there's so much radiation there but when they open that well like something came up out of that and it's just weird they keep getting this 1.6 gigahertz and it's on several episodes through all three seasons you know when they first got it a couple times they didn't think anything of it but then they started noticing it almost seems to me like this entity is giving off this radiation signal. And when it's nearby, that's when they pick up this 1.6 and then people feel bad because whatever radiation it's emanating. That's what's weird about this for me. It's not that we're in a place that happens to have high radiation because of maybe some experiments that were done, something that was dumped on the land, maybe a meteorite hit this place and left behind something. Wouldn't that be a constant? But to get it like just every so often... It comes and goes, and when it comes, something bad's going to happen. So our second location is the Mesa, and it's very large, and it has many strange features. It's one of the highest things that's coming out of the ground that's there on the property. Night vision cameras pointed at it seem to show it glowing. Remember at the very beginning, that first season, you had a city like Las Vegas in the background with all their lights shining up to the sky beaming off the back of this mesa only it's out in the middle of nowhere so it's impossible that these are a bunch of city lights that are lighting up the back of this thing they've drilled into a void in the mesa and hit what they think is a large metallic object and while they were doing this drilling i mean he'd get to a point where he's like i can't get any further this is as far as we can go they started pulling they they would like pull stuff out as they were doing it And this metal type stuff was retrieved and dumped into this thing that they were like sifting out to see what they would get out of it. It was mostly just pulling mud and water and dirt, but they were getting this metal and they sent it to get analyzed. And two of the materials were things that were used to build the space shuttle's tiles. I know, that was really bizarre. Yeah, so this is like stuff that you don't normally use for just anything, which then makes me go... Is there something man-made going on here that they built some kind of an object or were the space shuttles built from something they had reverse engineered like, you know, Roswell? Did we have a crash? They reverse engineered some ship that they saw there and this is stuff from that or I don't know. It's just very strange. They think there is a dome-shaped object buried in the Mesa based on imaging that they've done with this, the digging they've done, the metal they've gotten. But we're talking about a huge, what looks like a natural land formation. So to bury something here, who did that? Giants? I I mean, (laughs) I know. (laughs) I mean, this isn't something that just men can dump a bunch of stuff on top of something. It's a mesa that you have to, you can climb to the top of. It's, It's like building a mountain over something almost. Is there a UAP under the dirt and rocks? There's also a formation on top of the mesa made with rocks that seem to be in a spiral shape. 
This is interesting because there are spiral petroglyphs on rocks on nearby properties. And Native Americans claim that this is a symbol for portals. They actually had somebody, I believe he was a Navajo, who came out and they were like, can you tell us what some of these symbols mean? And he pointed to this one and it just looks like a spiral that's on the rocks. And he said, this is generally what we would use to say that there's a portal somewhere, a a doorway to go somewhere. So did an earlier civilization indicate that the Mesa had a portal with this formation? We mentioned this other place, the triangle, it's right next to it. Is it indicating that this is like a launch pad to go somewhere? In 2010, a former military guy was on top of the Mesa and he took pictures of canine footprints up there. They were bigger than what a dog would make, even a wolf. Very, very large. And how did it get up on top of the mesa? And why would it climb up there? He also heard a guttural growl from an animal in a ditch near the mesa. And last, we have the triangle, which is basically an area the researchers have mapped out that has three points on the ground that come together at a point in the air about 5,000 feet up to a mile from the field that looks like a triangle in 3D. At that mile-high level, numerous tests seem to have proven that something is just sitting there. That has been the greatest mystery here and the focus of much of the research. On one occasion, Dr. Taylor and Eric Bard took a helicopter ride through the anomaly at that mile-high range, and it was really weird. They went up in a spiral fashion and took readings as they went. Brandon's brother Cameron was the pilot, and his radar picked up something that was 40 feet under them, even though they saw nothing. And again, they were up in the air at this time. Yeah. Way up in the air. (laughs) It was really weird because this alarm would go off in the helicopter and the two researchers were like, what's that? And he's like, well, it's indicating, basically it's a warning telling me that the helicopter is only 40 feet off the ground. Right. And they're almost a mile up. So they're like going, well, what would be causing that? And he's like, it's got to be detecting something 40 feet below us. And they're looking out the windows and there's nothing to see. A camera picked up a shadowy anomaly that crossed under the helicopter, almost imperceptible. Nobody on the ground using binoculars could see anything. Yeah, they were radioing down to him and telling him, we keep getting this warning. And it would happen every time, you know, they'd circle. They were making these big spiral circles as they were going up. And when they would be out of that range, it was fine. But once they came back in towards the center, boom, the alarm would go off. So they called down and they asked Dragon, you know, can you look up here? Is there something underneath us? We can't see anything. And they weren't seeing anything. It finally got to the point where Cameron was like, you know what? This is dangerous. I think we just better stop the research and I'm taking the helicopter back down because I just feel this is very unsafe. We can't see what's going on. Something is clearly underneath us. And so they had to stop what they were doing. And it it seemed very believable to me. And, you, you know, I don't think you can make a helicopter make those warning sounds. So it seemed pretty real. A large rocket with a ton of equipment on board was shot up into the center of the anomaly above the triangle one night, and something caused it to completely bend off course. At the same time, they caught a UAP that ascended from the mesa and then just vanished. Did it go into a portal? That's what I love about a lot of the things that happen to them on this show is as paranormal investigators, we like to have either multiple pieces of equipment showing the same thing or multiple things happening at the same time, like Let's say you hear audibly a voice and then you also pick it up on a recorder and then maybe you see an anomaly too. It's cool when all these things happen at once because then you have verification that something is happening. And so when you have this rocket that has no reason to do anything other than go straight up, it only has to go up a mile to hit the target that they want to hit. And it was a huge rocket. I mean, they had to contact air traffic controllers and make sure no planes were going to come through that area. 
it's like all of a sudden it goes about almost to where it's supposed to hit. And then it just completely veers as if it's bouncing off of something. Yep, it sure did. It was very weird. You know, they shot tons and tons of rockets into this void and they would like go off course. They would disappear. And it was always in the same location. Yeah. I am fairly convinced there's something sitting at that level. I don't know what it is, but you can't see it with the naked eye. And it's not like it's a wind shear situation because they would have gotten readings in regards to that with the helicopter and so forth. It's just, it's bizarre. And the people that they have shooting the rockets up there, they have nothing to do with weird stuff. They just make rockets and shoot them up and build them cord out so that they could put their equipment in there to get readings and see what they can get for radiation and stuff. Chris Port was a deputy sheriff, and he met with the caretakers to tell his experiences when the Myers family owned the property. Now, the Myers never publicly told anyone about weird stuff on the ranch. So everybody thinks that this just started with the Shermans. But clearly, some stuff happened to the Myers, because one day, Port asked Mr. Myers why he had chains and locks on everything, including the refrigerator in the house. So you're either looking at this guy and going, are you nuts? <laughs> I was going to say, are you nuts? <laughs> You're out in the middle of nowhere on this ranch. You've got all this acreage, you know, almost 500 acres around you. What are you worried about that you got to lock your refrigerator up with a chain and a lock unless the wife's eating too much in the middle of the night? Oh, my word. (laughs) You're trying to keep yourself from the midnight snack attack. I don't know. It's just weird. Myers told Port that they got visitors. Then he specified that those visitors were alien. Things would come up missing. He didn't necessarily see them, but he could feel them. Screens on the windows would be taken out. The caretaker shared that they experienced weird things there, too. So they're living in the same house that the Myers had built. Often they feel like they're being watched. They'd hear strange sounds and voices in the basement. And in 2019, season one of the show, they drilled into a wall in the basement and found another room or storage area that had been sealed up. A camera was run inside and they found what looked like bones. Not big ones from what we could see in the images, but strange nonetheless, because why was something with bones sealed up in this concrete area? Yeah, it's completely sealed. Yeah, there's, it's not like there's a window, there's no doors. They had to drill a hole literally into the wall and ask permission, you know, are you okay with us drilling a hole in this wall? This concrete slab has no windows and no no doors. doors. (laughs) Great. Port also shared a story where three heifers went missing and were found in a shed stacked up on top of each other. And they appeared dead until they poured water over them and then they seemed to come to life. What in the world? And they said that they couldn't get the door open to the shed because they were trying to push it open. I don't know why they didn't try to pull it open, but they were like trying to push the shed open. They're like, something's blocking it. Well, it's because these heifers were in there. And it's like, how did they get stacked on top of each other? In the first year that Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch were taping out there, a cow mysteriously died and nothing would go near it. No animals tried to eat it, even though it was left out there for months. Veterinarians had a hard time figuring out what killed the animal. The cows have, on several occasions, gotten spooked as an entire herd and run without any discernible reason that's caused it. Throughout all three seasons, dozens of UAPs have been caught on camera and seen by the naked eye of everybody staying at the ranch and visiting it. There are no contrails. They don't appear on flight maps, and they disappear nearly as soon as they're seen. They've identified three different types of these UFO objects, glowing orb-like ones, objects that streak quickly across the sky, and darker flying objects. 
And I find it interesting that the Shermans described having three varieties of UFOs, too. Not exactly these same types, but just interesting that they have multiple ones. And we've seen them, too, and they all seem shocked when they see them. They're like, wait, wait, look out there. And they are weird. It's like, that doesn't look like a plane. And they have the equipment that they can see. Is there anything that's supposed to be flying on any of these courses across our property? And there won't be any jets that are supposed to be flying over it. So it's like, what just flew over there? They look a lot bigger than like a drone or something like that. I believe in the possibility of skinwalkers. How about you, Kelly? I don't know. I still go back and forth on it. I have a couple of theories about what they could be. One is, is this some kind of a government experiment? I mean, we know they've been trying to clone animals. Are they creating something in a laboratory? Could be. Now, for me, I believe it's more likely that these are some kind of chimera created by supernatural forces or entities. I know we have a lot of weird listeners, so hopefully they don't think I'm crazy. But as I you just s- called our listeners weird. I, th- I think they're fine with that. I think weird they kids. fly their freak flags proudly. <laughs> I don't know if maybe these skinwalkers are something that has been created from mixing human and animals together. And maybe Native Americans were thinking that these were things that could transition between the two. But maybe they're just always this way. So that you have an upright walking man that for some reason has a lot of fur like an animal because he's been mixed with something like that. I mean, we hear so many reports of Bigfoots, the dog man up in Wisconsin. You know, the story we told about Gwen having that animal running alongside the car that was big enough she could see its head in the window. I've heard lots of dog man stories like that, where you have this cryptid creature, much larger than any wolf or dog, basically the size of a car running next to it and keeping pace. Yeah, I definitely think that if these actually do exist, that they're able to be interdimensional going through a portal and disappearing because otherwise, why have we never found, you know, a deceased body of one or anything like that? I feel like they they definitely have the ability to, quote unquote, disappear. Yeah, we've never had a dogman body or a Bigfoot body. And, you know, most animals we've found at least one after it's died somewhere and just dropped. Right. And of course, they're on all continents. Yes. And as the stories that are coming out of the ranch have said, and even people in the area that have all seen these things. It's not like the skinwalkers are only on the ranch. They're all around that area. The tracks disappearing makes you think that they've stepped into some other dimension. And let me clarify that prior comment. When I said they're on all continents, I was going more with the idea of Bigfoot, skunk ape. Oh, I I know what you mean. You weren't just talking about (laughs) skinwalkers. You're talking about cryptid type creatures that we don't understand, can't explain, don't have a body. Physical proof. Yes. I'm also positive, as I said earlier, There is something above that triangle. I agree with that. I can believe it's a portal and that it can be opened and closed. So those rockets that are going up there are bouncing off of it because it's not open. But it does open at times to let these craft, because they all seem to be coming from that general area, through. I don't know. It's something I don't know how to explain that. But I definitely believe there's such things as portals. I mean, I think that's why we have missing 411. All of these people that are out on these hikes that just all of a sudden disappear. How do they just disappear into nothing? Did they step into a portal? Some people who have visited have had a hitchhiker effect in which it seems something has followed them home. There are so many stories about the ranch that it is difficult not to believe something strange is happening there. 
the level of scientific studies conducted and the evidence gathered by the team of The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch are very convincing. Is Skinwalker Ranch haunted and a headquarters for unearthly and strange phenomenon? That is for you to decide. It's a really interesting show. And thank you to our spectacular crew, because I know there were a couple of them in there that had suggested or asked if other people were watching it and what they thought about it. And so we're like, oh, let's give it a try. And I've, I was just glued to it and fascinated. Yeah, it was very interesting. And we've enjoyed every season so far. Now, of course, this is on TV. You got to dramatize stuff in order to keep people watching. But is this basically the Zach Beggins of Skinwalker Ranch that, you know, they get overly excited about things that could be explained away. Maybe we don't have UFOs out here and it's something else. I don't know. But there's enough weird stuff, especially the gamma radiation, the gigahertz stuff that they're picking up. There's enough stuff that they're picking up on equipment. Something weird has either happened here and we're getting residual or is happening. What I find fascinating and the question that I have is that Bigelow was working with the government, which is why I think we don't hear a lot about what they were doing out there because maybe they were doing experiments not just to figure out what was out here, but trying to harness it, creating it. I don't know. It seemed pretty clear that someone was watching the activity and hacking into the cameras on the property that was outside of the group. And you have to believe that it's governmental. And so they would also have these planes that would come through that were like spying on them. So I'm like, if you had control of the property with Bigelow there, why did they give that up to private? And why are they allowing this to be on TV if they don't want stuff to come out? It makes me think that the government thinks that these scientists have capabilities that they didn't have. And maybe they'll figure out something they couldn't figure out. Or are they trying to make sure they don't figure out what they don't want them to figure out? <laughs> it's like you're going into a, a rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, I could sit and talk about this stuff for hours. So listeners, we want to hear from you too. You guys did a great job with The Conjuring House. We got so many comments back from you guys and about what you think about it and that kind of thing. We love to hear your opinion too, because unfortunately, the podcast is not a two-way street. It's us talking to each other and we know you're talking at us, but we can't hear you. So let us know. What, what do you think's going on at Skinwalker Ranch? Is there anything weird or are they just overblowing this and making money off the show and it's a bunch of nothing? We'd also love to have you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, like what you think about this, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We did get an email. I forgot about it because we get a lot of emails and it got kind of buried. But this goes back to episode 454 that we did on Haunted Green Bay. And we did the history segment on Walter Reed. Well, Debbie sent us an email and she was letting us know that she's a biomedical researcher and she was especially interested in the Walter Reed story from this month in history segment. I wanted to point out one other really awesome thing that Walter Reed did. In 1900, Walter Reed developed the first written informed consent document in Spanish and English to conduct human subjects research on yellow fever. The U.S. Army Yellow Fever Board was the first group to implement consent forms that provided research subjects full disclosure of the risks and benefits involved with participating in the research, and they provided research incentives to participants. This was a very significant milestone in the history of medical ethics, and as we know, they still do it today. Yes, they do, and I did find that in my research for that portion, but at the same time, I can only include so much information to try to keep the, the segment a little bit shorter. Yeah, we try to keep them under two minutes, so it's hard to cram a lot of stuff in there. 
The Nuremberg trials after World War II uncovered unspeakable horrors of unethical medical experiments that Nazi physicians conducted on participants that did not consent to the research, as we know. After the trials, the Nuremberg Code was established, which was a set of 10 guiding principles that physicians should follow when conducting research on human subjects. Although the Nuremberg Code was not adopted as law, and the AMA didn't particularly like the idea of disclosing all risks to participants, it was an important document for medical ethics. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't want to let everybody know. Yeah, no kidding. The modern-day consent form was not established until after 1979 when the Belmont Report was published. The report was written in response to the unethical medical practices of the Tuskegee syphilis study. And we all know that that was horrible. The report provided a statement of basic ethical principles and guidelines that should assist in resolving the ethical problems that surround the conduct of research with human subjects. And it wasn't until 1991, more than 90 years after Walter Reed's yellow fever study, when 16 United States federal agencies formally adopted a common federal policy for the protection of human subjects. Thank you so much, Debbie, for sending that email. We really appreciate it when listeners chime in with additional information. Yeah, and her conclusion is the history of medical ethics is a dark and fascinating history. No wonder there are so many haunted medical facilities. This is true. And that's true. If you imagine that you had all these experiments done on you and you weren't told exactly what the outcomes could be. You know, it's one thing when you have people who are dying of something and they're like, you know, I'll test it to see. I'll try anything at this point. Right. But when you take perfectly healthy people and do stuff to them, it's, yeah, very, very questionable. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to thank Maria mancini Brulard for raising your contribution to us. We're going to be moving you into a fancier garden crypt. And welcome into the cemetery. Rhonda Chamberlain, you're going to be put into a garden crypt. And in three months, you'll be getting your HGB logo mug. And if you stick around for a year, you get a logo t-shirt too. I think we have one of the best reward programs out there. I do as well. Thank you so much for supporting History Goes Bump. We really could not produce this show without our executive producers. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. Skinwalker's figure, Skinwalker's figure, 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 figaro, figaro. I want a fig Newton. <laughs> we haven't had breakfast. And Eric played back an RF signal of 1.6 over a radio, radio. It was a radio. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.